Well, good evening. Good On the way up um, in the car, yeah, by, by just about by um, the lights by uh, McDonald's, Sander come up with a joke. That's the way Sander is. Living with Sander is such fun. <laughs> and said uh, <laughs> a joke about something she heard on the radio about parents. Well, parents have told their children that they found out later on in life is not true. And you know, I you know, I was referring to mommy, she used to, my mother, my mommy. My mother, she used to say to me, you know, if you look in the mirror long enough, you see the nick. Uh, I don't think that was true. If, if the wind changed when I'm making a face, it stayed that way. I don't know if that, I don't think I, that's true. But the one that Sandra said, you see, so the father said, you see, She's with her, with, her, with her children in the car. You'll see those people waiting at the bus stop. They are people who misbehaved in cars when they were young. And fear. That's what it is. They put in fear into the, into the children so that they behave themselves. That's what parents do. You do that. You, they, they put fear. And it's a very effective weapon, fear. You know, and uh, it's not something that's new. Fear has been used from the beginning of time to peep, keep people in control. The old kings used to do it constantly, keep people anxious. You know, when people are anxious about their life and worry about where their next meal is coming from, then perhaps they'd be more willing to do the king's bidding in order for their next meal. No anxiety and fear keeps the monarchy firm. You know, and today we live in a time where fear is still a tool or a weapon, if you like, us used to keep each and every one of us where we ought to be. You know, we see it on our TVs all the time. We've got um, global warming. We've got flows coming from this place and that place. That place. And there's loads of plastics well, I think the, be the best invention ever was the plastic bag, and they banning it everywhere. So there you are, you are, you could go to the shop and you could come out with these plastic bags and you're old loads of stuff and you're away like and there's nothing in them. But they find them in seas and things and they, and they frighten us with these, with these things. And because people can't look after them properly. You know, a fearful servant is a faithful servant. If you can put enough fear into him, he will do all that he can to help you. But the greatest thing about knowing Jesus is that he doesn't want his people to be anxious. Matter of fact, Matthew devotes a complete chapter to it. You know, why are you anxious? Why do you fear? God you know, does not secure his kingship by sort of cultivating anxiety. You know, on the contrary. The aim of God's kingship is to free us all from anxiety. You know, he doesn't need to keep us anxious in order to establish his power over us. Instead, he uses his power and his superiority to take away all anxiety. Now, that's the God we are serving. That's the, that's the king that we are serving. The king is not one to put fear into us, so we'll serve him. And we, or, or not, we haven't got so much a king in this country. We got a queen, <laughs> or we, or we got a, a, we got a prime minister, of Boris. <laughs> you can imagine that Boris in charge of this country. 
Now why should why should we fear? Huh? Maybe there is a time to start fearing. Or trusting. <laughs> or trusting, yeah. Or trusting in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I think that's what we need to do. He's not one that depends on fear. He's the one that wants us to be anxious, uh, uh, to be completely clear of it. If you're born again, and I know you are here tonight, you know, if we've uh, turned away from our sin and we follow in Jesus uh, in obedience of faith, you know, His will for each and every one of us is that we be anxious about nothing, you know, and that we will uh, enjoy the peace and the security that Jesus brings. You know, we hear it only in this from His pulpit all the time the, 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 the peace where we are in Christ and it's a million miles away and it should be a million miles away from being anxious but we do I do you know many of you will know I started back to work this week uh, five and a half months I've been off you know I must say that I was a little anxious walking in there on Monday morning and uh I know people are anxious about lots of things and fear lots and, 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 and have fear of lots of things. You know, uh, I can always remember um, a, a, a good man of God, uh, I can't try to think of his name, Luther Phillips, you know, a great man, great man of God. But you know, he told us once when, we, when he was up at the Bush Mission preaching that he always worries. Whatever comes up, He's worrying about it. He said, he asked the Lord to deal with it and take away his worry. And he said, when he, even when he didn't have nothing to worry about, he worried because he had nothing to worry about. You know, there must be something wrong because I'm not worrying about anything. So he worried about it. And God uh, dealt with him. He took, he, he took that away. You know, we all struggle, I think, with anxiety and worry at times. You know, uh, I got on with you, um, young people worry. They worry about the future. They worry what, you know, uh, how are they going to get on in life? Are they going to meet the people that they want to meet? Are they going to have the job that they want to have? Are they going to have the education that they want? They worry about these things. Older people worry about the young people. Are they going to get a job? Are they going to have The one they love. We all got this... Uh, struggle I think with, with worry you know, and this is one of the reasons why um, I, I don't think I've ever preached like this before I've always um, never told people or preached how people should, should be because I, I, I can't do that and I'm not doing that today I think this, this sermon is, is as much for me if not more for me than for anybody else here tonight because I do worry I do, and, 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 and maybe I should be handing over all my things all my life and my worries to Jesus because that's the best place to leave them. You know, in this chapter, for those of you that was you when we read it, it was Daniel chapter 6, gives, gives us hope. Gives each and every one of us hope because it grounds us in sort of biblical uh, reality. You know, I'm a, a guy of the big stories in the Bible. I like the big stories. You know, there are those people amongst us that can see big lessons in unknown stories <coughs> you know or not unknown but obscure stories in the bible and obscure but I'm a guy of the big of the big big ones 
I like, you know, the party on the Red Sea. I like, you know, the fiery furnace and and all these these big stories. And this is a big story that we're looking at tonight. And you know, as I said, it gives us hope. The story shows us that what shows us what our God can do in the midst of the most daunting circumstances that life brings our way. You know, we've, we've heard the story tonight, but I'll, I'll recap. The story begins with a change of rule from the Babylons, Babylonians to the, the Persians, from Neb to Darius. Uh, we, we know him as Neb, yeah. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar to, to most people, and uh, he's Neb to us in the manual. <laughs> the new king makes Daniel one of his uh, top administrators. I don't go down the sack trap route. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's very important to point out that Daniel was around about the 75-year-old mark, yeah? and he was still a very uh, successful worker, or, you know, worker. In fact, because of Daniel's, his, his, because of his competence, because of his ethics, Darius planned to set him over, over the old kingdom. You know, Daniel was one of those that was always first in the office in the morning. You know, and he finished the job every day. You know, he didn't cut any corners. You know, um, he might have been on the sort of older side of life, but he still had this, this up and go spirit. You know, and that in itself gives me hope because I am now on that older side of life. You know, that's what worries me sometimes when I go to, to school. <laughs> that they're all young there. I'm like the old grandfather there. You know, and uh, but this story gives me encouragement. <coughs> Daniel was in his he was older than me and yet here he was, you know, on top of the game. You know, Daniel's circumstances I suppose in Babylon had never been easy, but now they become very deadly indeed. His enemies didn't like his, um, his truthfulness, his incorruptibility, if you like, because they wanted to keep another thing that's never new, keep skimming the king's resources. They didn't like his disciplined work ethic because it made them look bad. Daniel, knowing that Daniel would never sort of compromise his faith, they manip- manipulated Darius to, to decree that anyone who prayed to any god besides the king during the next 30 days would be thrown into the, land, into the lion's den. Now after the law was passed now they found Daniel doing what he'd done every day for the last 60 years. Opening his windows to Jerusalem, getting down on his knees and praying three times a day to his god. You know and that in itself tells us something about this man <coughs> where this man was in his relationship with God you know the, the plotters you can imagine these people can't even, you know these little you can see somebody making a film of this and having the type of people that they would, that would be doing this they'd be you know slightly bent <laughs> uh, eyes in the back of their head and sneaking you know, and, and, and then they, the plot they went they went uh, they reported Daniel and what he was doing to Darius. 
on fair play to Darius he tried everything that he could because he liked this guy everything he could to rescue his servant but it was all to naught because of, <coughs> of the needs of the law of the needs and the Persians well, I just thought the, need, the law of the needs and Persians were in um, the mount but obviously they, they, they were here they were here as well and they could not be changed the law could not be changed and Daniel was brought to that horrible hole in the ground that opened into the lion's den you know and it was a serious situation that Daniel found himself in here you know uh, the, the writer says in verse 17 a stone was placed was, was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed I don't know about you but that rings another bell didn't it that a stone hmm. a seal you know sometimes uh, we can do everything right in life and still life goes wrong you know the story shows us that sometimes uh, despite our best efforts things go audibly wrong we can work really hard yet you know a business can go bankrupt we can act in a, a proper manner in a sort of ethical way and still lose our jobs we can do our best to be a faithful spouse we can do our best to be a good parent yet end up with tangled and broken relationships mm -hmm. what happens all the time and we as God's people are not exempt from this as we can see in the story mm -hmm. the psalmist said didn't he, that uh, the psalmist in Psalm 73 says truly God is good to Israel to such that as are power in art but as for me uh, my feet had almost stumbled my steps had nearly slipped but I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity <coughs> of the wicked you know it is a thing you, know, you can look around sometimes you can be doing all the right things in all the right orders and yet get nowhere yet be like say you can lose your job you can be bankrupt or whatever and then you see somebody then that I'm going to care in the world will, will stamp on you if you fall down will say things that will cover themselves in glory and say things that are wrong that will, will, and they get on in life you know a good man and this is what we're talking about here tonight can serve his king in a moral honest and competent manner and still get around the lions you wonder sometimes where God is you know where are you at God where are you what is going on in the world <coughs> now I think we are fortunate in this uh, point in our country's history to be free sort of from religious persecution yet there are still some uh, lion's dens that we can get thrown into you know and tonight we could be wrestling with you know something spiritual something moral you know when we feel as if uh, a lion has got his claws in us you know with, with the possibility to tear us apart there are things in the lives of people you know uh, 
maybe we sick and we and we uh, sick and the the pain we feel or the torment we we go under feels as if the lion's jaws. Uh, maybe we've tr- tried to be financially wise, but we've seen it all dribble away and go down the chute, as we say, down in the dark den uh, of recession. Maybe as Daniel, we took a stand for Christ and found ourselves excluded, found ourselves mocked, no, even by our own families. No, these are places that no test not I think test not what we uh, think about God, but how we feel about Him. You know, I think which is critical, and we see from this text what our God can choose to do. What when we look at this chapter of Daniel, you know, we serve in a God that is able to do wonderful and amazing things for us. Whatever we find ourselves tonight, maybe there's no one here with spiritual or uh, you know physical problems. Maybe there's no one here with it, with the things I have mentioned. But I'm sure that there are times when there have been there are times in my life. I've got to be honest when there have been these things that have got me down, and I wonder why you know and you and you wrestle with God and think why why am I going through this? And then you you see that God can what God can do for us. You know, the text says that Darius was so distraught that he spent the night without food, bless him, or entertainment. As I only just thought of it, or I only just thought of it now that the lions also spent the night without food. Uh, or they might have had a bit of entertainment, lions, I don't know. There was no, you know, killing Eve for, for Darius that night. He wasn't going to put that on the TV. You know, there's no sleeping tablets that we're going to do anything for him you know and it's, it's great when the Bible says that when the sun sort of peaked his head over the horizon he sprinted down to the den in, ang- in anguish and cried Daniel servant of the living God has you God whom you serve continually been able to rescue from the it's, it's a weird thing isn't it really no he's put him in a den of lions and here he is now going down and shouting are you okay? I can't get, you know, I can't quite understand this bit. But then, Daniel answers. And he says, and, you know, I love this answer. Because here was Daniel, just spent the night in the, in the lion. He was put there because of something he did that the king agreed to. I know he was tricked into it. But he says, may the king live forever. You know, there's, there's a name for people like Daniel, isn't there? <laughs> I can't say it yet. <laughs> May the king, I love it. May the king live forever. You know, what a guy this is. My God sent his angels and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. I have never done any wrong before you, your majesty. <laughs> He's a great guy. <laughs> Darius was so happy that he gave the order to lift Daniel out of the den. I mean, we told in uh, verse 23 that after Daniel was lifted out, uh, no wound was found in him because he had trusted in God. Not one single scratch was on Daniel when he came out of that den. No, this was a genuine 
class one miracle of deliverance. Now those lions are being sort of deliberately starved and were really hungry. And even for a little meat that they find on the I don't know, maybe Daniel like see him as a an oldish guy, skinny and you know, it wouldn't make maybe not a lot on him. Uh, but they would have loved they would have loved him, really. Uh, there. You know, it, in the king then he ordered the the conspirators uh, thrown into the den, along with their families. You know, the, it was a great time to live. And they were all killed immediately. I think it says, I think the Soviet Union says before they touched the ground, before they touched, or before they went to the bottom of the den, they were done. The lions were no longer hungry. Now I believe that you, the, the writer of, of Daniel wants us to know God always can do the miraculous. You know, when I said earlier on about um, that scene where he is put into the into the Daniel is put into the lion's den and the stone is rolled uh, against the the hole and then there's this seal. You know, and, uh, early Christian art often uh, used the story of Daniel in the lion's den as an Old Testament picture of the resurrection of our Lord and Saviour. Jesus Christ. That's the power of God. He can deliver his people from the bondage of Egypt. He can deliver the people from Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace, from the lion's den. You know, he can crumble the walls of Jericho. He can use one smooth stone. See, I've told you of all the big ones, all the big stories, to fall out of uh, a blasphemous Philistine. I always want to say that. Philistine. You know, it's, it's not always true that God's people are miraculously saved from, 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 from uh, certain situations. And it would be wrong for me to say that tonight. You know, we, are, we haven't got to go too far into the book of Acts to see a man that was full of the Holy Spirit, mm. full of God, mm. and yet stoned to death you know because of what he believed you know and I suppose the, the I, I, I might be I don't know if I'm right it's the 20th century you know hundreds of people thousands of people were martyred because of their, their belief no great miracle brought them out you know God doesn't always choose to deliver people you know and that's why I think when we look at this uh, this chapter here something else is sort of emphasized it says it says in verses 16 and 20 you got your Bibles there and it says it says this Darius uh, this king this this pagan king if you like he does it in both 16 and 17 he describes Daniel as continually serving his God he was continually serving his God you know, and in the original text, I am told it's one, it's one word, uh, and it's only used in this scripture, in the older scripture. It's only used here, and it means, it could, or it could be translated, to move in <coughs> and make your home with, to move in and make 
your own will. And I thought how lovely that is. That Daniel was so close to God, he had moved in and made his home with him. You know, so often Terence is up here speaking on the Thursday and he tell us that I know what he'd get up to. Wouldn't mind being a fly on the wall. He tells us that Pauline is the only one that knows Terence. That knows him. That knows what he's about. That knows what he gets up to when he's not in public public sight. Do I? Because Pauline has moved in and made home with him. And she knows him better than anyone. You know, there's a person in here that knows me better than anyone else in this place. Sandra. <laughs> Sophie's second. Sandra knows things that I get up to. <laughs> Why? Because she's moved in. She moved in and made her home with me. You know, and I think it's that's when you get to know people. Can you imagine somebody you don't like moving in? That'd be a worse nightmare, wouldn't it? You know, your mother-in-law or something. You know. My mother-in-law's moving in with me. Wow, great. You know, and that will keep you, I suppose, um, with your eyes focused on God. <laughs> but this is what Daniel did. Daniel and God, they sort of, they moved in together. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful picture of the closeness that Daniel had with his God. You know, and even in the most dire circumstances, you know, Daniel trusted God. You know, and I think it's because years before he moved in and made his home with God and learned in time that God was good and always would be his comforter. He would always be there for him. Would always be his counsellor. Would always be his saviour. You know, Darius messed up and he had no power at all to save Daniel. He would have loved to have saved Daniel. But he had no power. No, our God shut the mouths of those lions and saved Daniel from certain death because he's the all-powerful mm. saviour. You know, he never sleeps, he never slumbers, and he is always working to accomplish what he wants in your life and in my life. You know, this is the king talking here, Darius is talking here in, uh, uh, in verse 27, and this is what Darius thinks of this God. The, the king Darius wrote unto all the people, nations and languages, that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you, uh, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. You know, you, you know we've arrived and when the king of the country tells the people that you've got to fear and tremble at the God of Daniel. Huh? Imagine that, uh, you know, I, I'm up to school there and the headmaster gets up and says, you, all you people, you feel in trouble at the God of David. Wouldn't that be nice? The God of David. You know, uh, for he is the living one. Says, Dad is talking. For he is the living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom 
that which shall not, not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end he delivered and rescued and he worked signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who had delivered Daniel from the power of the lions that's the God that Daniel served and that's the God that we serve and that's the God that Darius, the king, this pagan king recognised when he seen what, Dan, what God had done for him you know um, there's a man by the name of King, a king, Ken Alma, and he, he says he says this story. I don't know if you you this story, but I'll finish with this with this story. It's, it's um it's a great it's a great story. It's a bit, it's a tale about two men in an art museum who came upon a painting of a chess game. One character in the painting looked like an ordinary man, but the other character looked like a looked like the devil. The man is down to his last two pieces <coughs> on the chessboard. The title of the painting is called Checkmate. You know, and the impression is that the man in the picture, for the man in the picture, all is lost. The situation is hopeless. One of the two men looking at this painting is a chess champion. And something about the painting troubled him. He begins to study it. He, become, he gets, becomes so engrossed in it that his buddy gets impatient and asks what he's doing. The chess guy says, there's something about this painting that bothers me. You go ahead, he says. So he stopped there and, starts, and studied the painting. But mm-hmm. well, well, his buddy went around and looked at the other paintings. When his friend came back, the chess master said, I need to locate the artist <coughs> and tell him that Either you have to change, uh, either you have to change the picture, or you have to change the title. There's something wrong with this painting. The friends asked him what was wrong with the painting. The chess champion said, "Well, his title check checkmate," he said, "but the title is wrong. The painter either has to change the painting or change the title, because the king, because the king still has another move. If he makes that move, he will win." The king has one more move. You know, that was the case when, and I have mentioned this earlier, that was the case when a man named Moses convinced a nation of oppressed slaves to run away from the most powerful man on earth at the time. You know, and at last they were standing, standing there on the shore with the Red Sea in front of them. And Pharaoh's armies... You know, we all know the story because you walk, you walk on on Sunday night. Fire's army behind them. And the, the Egyptians, if you like, go shout them. Checkmate. And the people said to Moses, Now, what were you thinking? And Moses says to God, What were you thinking? <laughs> but then Moses began to understand. The king's glad to the move. You know, and then there's the, uh, the good news of the teenager by the name of David, who went into the battlefield. He heard about a giant named Goliath, who was challenging the people of God. David spoke out against him, and before he knew it, he was face to face with the giant. You know, David put on Saul's armor, but Saul was, you know, uh, a size 52 long. (laughs) And David was a 36 short. And nothing fitted. You know, he couldn't even handle a grown-up soul. Goliath and the Philistine cronies are shouting, 
checkmate. You know, the only one there that knew that wasn't checkmate was David, because David had that experience of this. The king still had another move, and we know what happened there. David, David was thinking, this is not checkmate, mate. <laughs> uh, you were, your head would be in my hands in a, in a couple of minutes' time. And there it was. The king had another move. That, then, of course, we got the story of Daniel. Sold in the lion's den. Lord Peter was a lot. Checkmate. But the king had another move. Now, on Good Friday, they, they tried Jesus, they judged him, they whipped him. They beat him, they mocked him, they scorned him, they hung him on a cross, they laid him in a tomb, and everybody said, it's over, it's done. Mm-hmm. It's time to go home, check me. But they were wrong. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the king had another move. And when God makes that move, everything changes. Love wins. Mm-hmm. Hope wins. Light overcomes darkness. Courage overcomes fear. Faith overcomes despair. The king has another move. You know, the promise, I think, to us here this morning, and, and uh, this evening, sorry, and, you know, as I said at the beginning, you know, this sermon is as more to me, I suppose, than it is to anybody else here this, this, this evening. And no matter what we face, whether it's pain from the past, whether it's fear for the future, or whether it's struggles uh, for the life that we, the realities of our life that we live day by day, whether it's physical pain, or it's a troubled relationship, or, or trying circumstances, the list goes on, and then you can remember uh, our inheritance, and we can claim the promise. You know, it's, it says in it that. Uh, that we are born into a living hope through the resurrection mm. of Jesus Christ. Mm. You know, the next time someone says to you, check me, don't forget the king. And he's not just the king. He's the king of kings. Mm. And he always, always has another move. Amen. 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 Amen.